We're going to be in the book of Galatians tonight. I won't keep you very long. Probably the same normal hour. You know, it's uh, it's just the Word of God is precious. We love it. We like to talk about it. We like to sing it. We like to share it. Most of all, we like to live it. And uh, it's not always pleasant, not always easy, but but it is, you know, the Word of the Lord is always faithful. And can't go wrong being led by the Spirit. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Just some basic things tonight that we really always need to be looking at. You know, the, the, the church, uh, you know, we, we, as a whole, we say we need to, you know, we, the cross is just the foundational, the basic stuff. We need to go on into the deeper things of God. But what we didn't know for years and most still don't know is that the deeper things of God, the deeper work, is a deeper understanding of the cross. It's a it's a deeper way of living in the love of God, the mercy and the grace of God. It's really the, the crucified life is the deeper Amen. life, the deeper revelation. It's it's not, you know, we didn't know it when we were saying that, and most don't they don't know it today when they when they make that comment. We're we're Beyond the cross, we're going on into the deeper things. That's the flesh screaming out, don't mess with the cross. That's all that is. Because I promise you, if you ask somebody when they say that, if you ask them, well, what are the deeper things? They're not going to have an answer for you. Amen. They're just going to look at you because they don't know anything. Uh, they just Again, that's just the flesh making comments to keep from, uh, you know, to avoid the cross. But the cross is the only way... To, to be born again through faith in the sacrifice. It's the only way to live saved. It's the only way to find yourself not only being delivered from everything that grabs a hold of you, but also to give you the wisdom to be able to avoid the things that used to grab a hold of you so that they don't anymore. There's no need in going through life being grabbed a hold of the, the vices of sin and the ignorance that we once were and lived in. You know, the cross doesn't just deliver. It also teaches us to avoid the things that are there. It gives us the discernment we need to, you know, I mean, if you don't know the way of Calvary, you're continually going to be sideswiped. You're continually going to be grabbed a hold of and, and held captive. Uh, and even when you think you're loosed from that, it's only because you're bound in some other area now. So we're going to uh, look at the Word of God tonight in Galatians chapter 5 and and uh, talk about walking in the Spirit. I've just got a few verses highlighted. We won't read the whole thing, but we'll start in verse 16. Yeah. And uh, there was a problem in the church of Galatia, and uh, the same problem that really overwhelms the church today, and that is they, they weren't aware of how you could walk in the Spirit. Yeah. If you go back to Galatians 3, you'll see there Paul saying, did you begin in the Spirit by the works of the law, meaning what you did, or was it by the hearing of faith? Amen. And I was sharing with Robin earlier today, that written there lets us know that the phrase hearing of faith yeah. is what you were hearing when you heard the gospel. You, yeah. that you can't separate those two things because Paul said, did you begin in the Spirit at the working of the law, again, meaning what you did, or was it the hearing of faith? And we, we didn't know that we were hearing the faith when we were saved. We just knew we were hearing a story about God sending his son to die on the cross for us. It was the gospel, the good news, and we heard that. But as you begin to be a student of the word, you'll see phrases like that, uh, uh, Hearing of faith. That's yes. the same thing as believing the truth of the gospel, hearing yes. the gospel, because that is what we heard. And uh, so they had been bewitched. That's back in chapter 3 of Galatians. Yes. And they were, they were being hindered from what Paul said, obeying the truth. Yes. And he equated that with faith in the cross. Yes. So obviously we know, us who are here tonight, we know that if your faith is not deliberately and consciously in the sacrifice of Christ, not saying, well, of course I believe that, but trusting in that and, yeah. and, and depending on that, 
then you're, you're, you're not obeying the truth of what's written in the Word even when we think we are. Yes. If you are not uh, experiencing the, the cross of Christ in a moment-by-moment situation, then we are not obeying the truth, and that is plainly seen in Galatians yeah, chapter 3. And the problem is that we still live in this flesh, and this flesh yeah. always lusts. It Amen. may not lust after that, but it's lusting after that. Amen. And, you know, it may not lust after that or that, but it's lusting after that. The flesh is always lusting in one way or another to have it the last word to argue, to be right, to look the best, yeah. to be the best. The flesh always wants to be on top and everybody else below. Amen. So that is our problem, is the flesh. But the answer is the cross. We yeah. see that here in this fifth chapter. But we'll start tonight in the 16th verse of Galatians chapter 5. And the powerful truth here written to us says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Yeah. Now that is a powerful great and powerful truth there that we can't afford to leave a meeting where we're talking about this and all go out of the meeting with different thoughts and imaginations because if you think walking in the Spirit is one thing and I think walking in the Spirit is altogether something different, then one thing's for sure. One of us can be wrong or both of us can be wrong, but we both can't be right. So we have to understand what walking in the Spirit means. So before we go any further, uh, let's, let's go back to chapter 3 and look at that. So we'll, we'll just see it with our eyes. And it's not that we hadn't seen it. It's not that we don't know it. But what it is is that the Holy Spirit wants us to know it a little better. He wants us always to know the truths a little better. I believe maybe Jesus meant when he sent the spirit of truth and he would guide us into all truth, that that's not just always into something new, but into a deeper understanding of truth. I believe that's true and I believe that's important. But Paul says here in Galatians 3 and 3, Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit... Are you now made perfect by the flesh? And he's asking them, are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now going to grow and mature by the flesh, by what you do? And that was their problem. They thought they they were saved through faith in the sacrifice, but now they thought they were going to grow and mature and be used of God according to what they do. And it's not about what we do ever. It's about what Jesus did. And people might say, well, no, brother, it's about what we have to do. It's never about what we have to do. It's about what Jesus did and what the Holy Spirit can do in and through us based on our hearts believing in what Jesus did. So if you you back up, let's just back up to the first verse. We'll cover this before we get over in Galatians 5. We need to uh, so we can understand what's written there better. But he says, O foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you that you should not obey the truth. Now watch what he's relating this obeying the truth to. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. He relates obey. This is the Holy Spirit now, by the way, giving these words to Paul. It's not just a man. So he's relating obeying the truth to having believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary. That is obeying the truth. If you're avoiding the cross, let me just make it very simple and clear. You're not obeying anything that's written in the Word. Our obedience, God considers, as obedience to the truth, really to the faith. And that can't happen if we're not deliberately and consciously depending on, trusting in what Jesus did at Calvary. And he goes on to say, this only would I learn of you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And there's where what we talked about a minute ago. Did you receive the Spirit by what you did? Because that's the works of the law. Or did you receive the Spirit by the hearing of faith? And, and what he means here by the hearing of faith is by our hearing of what Jesus did by faith. That's what we were hearing. Remember what... 
Paul told Peter in Antioch when he was rebuking him, he says, wait a minute, we're not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Christ. That's what justified us was his faith. And then our depending upon him and what he did by grace through faith at Calvary, that's the faith we heard. And that's how we received the Spirit. And then he goes on and says, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, and remember, you began in the Spirit by believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary. That was your first step into the Spirit. And I've said it before, let me say it tonight. You won't take a second step if you look away from Calvary. And I believe every Christian does pretty close to the time soon after we get saved because we begin to try to work for God and we we begin to try to earn before we realize, even though we say we can't earn anything from God, it's a very deceitful and a deceptive thing. And I brought this out uh, yesterday morning in my teaching is that we'll tell on ourselves. We'll, we'll, we'll give tithes and offerings for 10, 15 years, and then we'll say, God, why is this happening to my finances? I've given tithes and offerings to you for 20 years, and we're telling on ourselves in that. You owe me more. You owe me for this, God. And, and I told a story about a man, a preacher I knew years ago, who his son had an accident, and I'll never forget it. It wasn't a fatal accident, but it was an accident where he got really hurt and the preacher, I mean, I, I, I just, God let me notice this back then. And, uh, and, and it was really amazing to me then. But that preacher, he could not believe that his son had an accident. You remember that? He was blown away. Yeah. I mean, it, it just astounded him that God would let that happen. And I didn't say anything, but I thought, who anything can happen to any of us. Yes. And it's like he'd been so faithful, he'd been so good, he'd done this, he must have been thinking this because the flesh is very deceitful and deceptive. Yes. How could that happen to me? Man, I've been preaching for 30 years. And let me tell you something. It, it, we got to be careful not to think that we're earning something or that we're trying to achieve a position that we already have. We got to be careful to think that we're searching, that we're not searching for things that we haven't already received. And we have to be very careful about that. And that's what was happening here. They, they didn't know this. So thank God he's faithful. He sends the word of God through Paul. So they'll know they could be reminded. Are you so foolish? Have you begun? in the spirit having begun in the spirit are you now going to try to perfect yourselves based on what you're doing Mm -hmm. Mm. so let's read a couple more verses here that's very interesting have you suffered so many things in vain if it yet be in vain he, therefore, that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles on, among you, does he do it by the works of the law, based on what you're doing, or, here it is again, by the hearing of faith? This is, this is mind-blowing to me right here because people are wanting to see a miracle from God so they think they need to do something to get a miracle and, and we can get caught up in that easy. We can think we, if I could only do this and God would see my faithfulness, he might give me a miracle. But the Bible here plainly says that he that works miracles among you, he does it by the hearing of faith. The same thing you heard that saved you and put you in the spirit. This is a great picture of the power of the cross. This is why the preaching of the cross is the is that which allows you to have the hearing of faith. Let me try to say it better. That's why one of the reasons the preaching of the cross is the power of God because it allows you to hear the faith and to get in the spirit and it's for us who are saved so that we can walk in the spirit. If you're not experiencing the hearing of faith, you cannot walk in the spirit. You might have got saved by believing the gospel, but the Bible calls calls that the hearing of faith. And if you don't keep hearing that message, the hearing of faith, then miracles are not there. 
You might claim it and declare it and decree it, but my Bible says he that works miracles among us does it by the hearing of faith. The same thing that puts you in the Spirit keeps you walking in the Spirit and allows you, if it be God's will, to experience a miracle. It's not always God's will to heal in the certain moment that you expect Him to. It's not always God's will to work a miracle in a moment when you expect him to. God had used Paul to heal people, but yet Paul found himself in a place where he had to leave a man behind because he was sick. To, and you know, today's, some of today's preachers would say, well, Paul must have got off track. Well, no, God heals who he wants, when he wants, and why he wants, because it's his counsel and his purpose. But whatever he's doing, we can see according to the word of God, he's going to do it based on the hearing, that's our part, the hearing of faith. And that's what his son did for us. Amen. So, all right. Let's go back to chapter 5 and go back down where we were, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. One of the lusts of the flesh that we don't talk about is that very thing that I just did talk about, the deceit, deceitful deceptiveness of our flesh yeah. thinking that we can do something to get God to work a miracle. You know, you got to be very careful uh, that even the things that we've been gifted with, one of them being speaking in other tongues, and yeah. that's not going to bring a miracle. It's the hearing of faith that allows the Lord to work the miracles in our midst. And so we got to be careful that we, we you know, that, that, that the lust of our flesh is not being fulfilled in some deceptive spiritual avenue. We read this, and of course we immediately go to, well, if I walk in the Spirit, then I won't fulfill the lust after that woman or that man or that greed or that, that whatever I've been lusting after, the, these things I've been lusting after, the, the things there that I shouldn't be looking at. I, the places that I'm going to look at those things, I shouldn't be even going there, but I am. And all these things, but this can also be talking about the lust of the flesh that deceives us and makes us think that we got to do something to get something from God. Amen. And the Bible plainly says back in chapter 3 that it's walking in the Spirit that takes place from the hearing of faith that allowed us to receive the Spirit and now walk in the Spirit and even see the miracles of God. Amen. It's not based on what we do. It's based on what Jesus did. Amen. And that allows us to get saved and to live saved, which is walking in the Spirit. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh that's in you. That thing that's in you, that lust is always in you. It may not be a raging fire at every moment, but it's there because all the flesh do, all the flesh can do is lust. And this chapter tells that it's constantly against the lust of the spirit, is against the lust of the flesh. It'll never stop till we're with Jesus. So let's read it again. It's really a beautiful verse to me. This I say then. Walk in the Spirit. That means go back to Calvary. And you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So let's, let's talk about this tonight based on what the Lord's been giving us about always being delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. And th th this walking in the Spirit, if we don't allow the Lord to deliver us unto the death of Jesus, we can't walk in the Spirit. So how much of the church is not walking in the Spirit? Even some of the biggest shows of what most people would think, walking, my Lord, this is a move of God's Spirit. But it hadn't got anything to do with the sacrifice. Matter of fact, it's got something to do with other objects of faith. And, 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 but it has an appearance of a great move of God. And people leave and they say, man, that was a move of God. But they have nothing to show for it. There's nothing to show for it except I say it was a great move of God. But what did God do? What did, what did, where's the fruit of what God did? Well, it's just the way we feel. Well, that man, that man, uh, 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 Islam got that. Mormons got that. Catholics got that. Everybody's got that. How we feel. You can light a candle and feel good about whoever it is you're praying for. 
But you've got to walk in the Spirit to not be able to fulfill the lust. And the, the, the lust of the flesh, I can't get away from this. I guess it must be the Lord. But one of the lusts of the flesh is you doing all things religious but don't take up the cross. Because the flesh don't mind being religious. The flesh will do anything as long as you won't take the cross up. And that's a lust of the flesh. The flesh will go and the flesh will even lift hands. The the flesh will do everything looking religious but don't take the cross up. And that is why people say we got to get beyond the cross. They already are beyond it. They're foolish. And they can't walk in the Spirit until they come back and take it up again. You can't walk in the Spirit unless you accept where God is always delivering you. You can't separate those two things. Man, that's good. Let's go ahead and read. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. Let's talk about the lust of the, the flesh. You don't want to keep fulfilling the lust of your flesh. You don't want to keep doing that because you know, as it as has probably happened to all of us, you get to the place where the lust of the flesh is fulfilled and what's there is actually the act of sin. Now comes the bondage. Now comes the embarrassment. Now comes the whatever, but it's there because we either didn't know what it means to walk in the Spirit or we did and we just t- took a moment not to. Ah, we've been there. We cross-eyed folk, we know the answer now. So the greater requirement and responsibility is there now to fight into a greater degree of this fight of faith now. This is not a walk through the, 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 what do I say, the tiptoe yeah, something like that. It's, it's not a walk through the tulips. I mean, this is a war. This is a, a war. It's already been won, but you've got to fight Amen. to experience that which Jesus won. Amen. Verse 18 says, but if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. See, the whole problem is being under the law. The whole problem, the lust of the flesh only takes place when we're trying to do something to get something. That's law. And here we see the lust of the flesh, and it's even later here revealed, the fruit of the flesh is what happens when we're under the law. And that means we're trying to work to get something from God. And you can't do any work to get anything from God because that wouldn't be grace. And God gives us everything he does by grace. Not by works. If it's works, it's not grace, the Bible says. But if it's grace then it's not works. And that's just what the Bible teaches. So if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Hello. If you're, if you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. So uh, that, that's a powerful statement. So we've all got a problem with our flesh. We've all got a problem with our flesh. Our flesh, the Bible says, never stops lusting. It never stops lusting. It may not lust for that, but it'll lust for that. As I said before, if it's not lusting for that or that, then it's lusting for that. Our flesh is lusting. And as we've said earlier, that the lust of our flesh doesn't have to be for some worldly stuff. The lust of our flesh can be hidden in spiritual religiosity. We can think we're working to get something from God, and that is a lust of the flesh, and that's not walking in the Spirit. So we've already seen in the Word, back in Galatians chapter 3, that walking in the Spirit for the Christian began the moment you put your heart's trust in Jesus and what He did at Calvary. You and I didn't start walking in the Spirit when we did something. And that's what Galatians 3 teaches. Did did you receive the Spirit by the working of the law or by the hearing of faith? And nobody's ever received the Spirit of God by what they did. We received the Spirit of God by believing what Jesus did for us at Calvary. And this book of Galatians teaches that if you're going to walk in the Spirit, you got to keep your faith in what Jesus did. And I'm not talking 
talking about you saying, well, of course I believe that. No, you have to have a deliberate and a conscious faith in the death of Jesus. A deliberate and conscious faith. I know what I'm trusting in. Now, the church today says, well, of course we believe in the cross, but let me make it real plain tonight. While I do my big piece of stupid, I'm not trusting in what Jesus did for me at Calvary. Oh, I believe it happened. I believe it happened. You can't tell me it didn't happen. And I believed it one day many years ago, and I was born again. But when, let me say it again, when I go and do my big piece, when I go and say my big piece of stupid, I am not trusting in what he did for me there while I'm doing that. When I make a big ruckus with my wife, when I say things I shouldn't do, things I shouldn't, when, when that is happening, I am not trusting in Jesus and what he did for me at Calvary. I am not finding in that moment my union with him in his death where I'm hidden, my Bible says. And so we see here in verse 16, let's back up here and read this again. This I, We're in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Yes. Now, this is a powerful Bible verse. Walk in the... It's it's your answer for not fulfilling those lusts that are absolutely in you. We all have lusts. This is the answer for not fulfilling the lusts that are in us. Watch what God says the answer is. This I say then. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, here, here's where the division begins to happen. Amen. If you think walking in the Spirit is one thing, and I think walking in the Spirit is something else, then one of us is wrong, or we're both wrong, but we can't both be right. I got to know what walking in the Spirit is, because if I don't, then I am going to experience the lust of my flesh being fulfilled. I don't want that. Christians do not want that. We do not want the lust of our flesh being carried out. We all got lust of the flesh. If you don't, you're lying right now. We all got a flesh and all the flesh can do is lust. I'm not talking about your skin. I'm talking about that thing that's in us that wants our way, that wants to be the best, on the top, better than anybody, to have the last word, to always be right. You know what I'm talking about. We all got that in us. Somebody said amen. We all got that in us. But the promise of God is if I will walk in the spirit, then I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's a guarantee. It's a promise. But I got to know what walking in the spirit is. If I don't, then this verse can't help me. I promise you this. You're not going to go home and say, if I walk in the spirit, I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. If I walk in the spirit, I won't fulfill. That ain't helping you nothing. You ain't getting nothing done. Why? Because that's what you're doing. And we don't get from God based on what we do. We get from God based on what Jesus did at Calvary and our heart trusting in his death. And that is what Galatians 3 says put us in. In the spirit, and it's the only thing that allows us to walk in the spirit. Amen. Amen. Walking in the spirit is us being led by the spirit as our faith remains in the sacrifice of Christ. Most Christians say this. They say, well, we began at Calvary, but we need to go on into the deep things of God. My friend, if you leave the cross, you're going into a deep place, but it ain't the deep things of God. It's a deep and dark hole that you will never be able to walk in the Spirit and the lust of the flesh will always be fulfilled. You and I do not have to live the rest of our lives punching holes in the wall. We do not have to live the rest of our lives always arguing and complaining and murmuring and and hanging out and talking bad. We do not have to live that way. 
And to avoid it, as Christians, we must know what it means to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 3, as we've covered already, defines that walking in the Spirit means we're trusting in what Jesus did at Calvary. It don't mean anything else. You can ask most preachers today, what's it mean to walk in the Spirit? Well, brother, it just means to love people. You Listen, it don't mean that. You know what? Loving people, that's hard if you're working hard to love people or if you're working hard to make your marriage work. We're not called to work hard to love people. We're not called to work hard to, to see our marriage work. We're called to keep our faith in Jesus Christ and what He did at Calvary so the Holy Spirit can change us and through us He can love people and our marriage can become what it should be. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to be happy about that. If you're working hard to make your marriage what you know it should be, you ain't never going to get it done because if God's getting get involved, it's got to be by grace through faith. And faith ain't but one thing. The Bible says there's only one faith. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 5, there's one faith. And because of that, we know there's only one object of faith, and that's Christ and Him crucified. And you might say, well, I got a whole Bible here. Faith comes by hearing in the Word of God, and there's lots of words, but the Bible is all about Jesus. Did He not say that? Did He not tell the Pharisees when they, they had the Word, they carried the Word, and He told them, you search the Scriptures in which you say you have life, but they testify Me, and you won't come to Me. You see, it's not about the Word. It's about the Word in the context of the living Word of God and what He did as the Lamb of God on Calvary's cross. Or there won't be any enlightenment of God's Word at all except through the lust of the flesh. So let's read it again in verse 16 before we move on. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts after the Spirit and the Spirit after the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. This is always, it's never going away until you're with Jesus one day and you get your new body, glorified body. But while you're in this thing, it's never going away. There's always going to be your flesh. Well, I didn't want to say that, but I did. I shouldn't have done that, but I didn't. I, you know, I shouldn't have done that, but I did. And I should have done this, but I didn't. Have. And all, you don't have to live that way. You can walk in the Spirit. Verse 18. But if if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. And again, let me say, this is what he's relating here. The lust of the flesh is only found under the law. Amen. And Christians say, well, I'm not under law. I'm under grace. Then live like it then. Hallelujah. You've got to walk in the Spirit. So let's go down to verse 22 now. That tells us, but the fruit of the Spirit... First of all, it's not me saying I'm in the Spirit. And that's not me saying I'm walking in the Spirit. Well, I'm walking in the Spirit, brother. Where? How can I know? Because you know faith, faith is not you saying you got faith. Faith is you showing me you got faith. And, and it's right here. But the fruit of the Spirit, I said the fruit of the Spirit working in your life is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, Temperance against such there is no law. Watch. And they that are Christ have what? Crucified. Crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. I want you to hear that. They that are Christ, that means all Christians, all born again Christians, have past tense crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts thereof. The cross is your answer for everything, not some things. The cross of Christ was the answer that God sent to save you, to get you in the kingdom, and it's the only object of faith that will get you through this journey. Nothing else, not going to church, we need to go to church, not anything else, not anything else. 
Nothing can save but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can keep but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can draw us near to God but the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 2.13 tells us it's the blood that made us near to God. Not me going to church didn't make me near to God. That made me near to some people and a preacher and a building. Being near to God, you're only made near to God by the blood of Jesus. Again, that's Ephesians 2.13. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. What does that mean? When did that happen? It happened the, the moment you were born again. You trusted in Jesus and what he did at Calvary and in God's eyes and in God's mind, he saw the Bible says that you were crucified with Christ. Romans 6, 6 and 7, Galatians 2 and 20. You were buried with him. You were raised with him. You were ascended with him. And you're now seated with him in heavenly places. These the church doesn't know. They read it and they say, yeah, okay, I believe it. But do they really believe it? Because their lives don't show it. And then the devil whispers in our ears and he says, just tell them, devil said. It's true. But we can't use that for an excuse not to walk in the Spirit. Have we done it? Oh, we have. Oh, yeah, we have. Yeah. What are you doing, brother? Why would you say that? Well, nobody's perfect. That's the devil's comment. Even though it's right. You know, the devil can tell you something that's right. It will never be truth because he can't speak truth. But he can tell you something that's right. He to- Did he not tell Eve, if you eat of that tree, your eyes will be open? Well, her eyes open. But she saw what God didn't intend on her seeing. She saw what the devil wanted her to see. Devil can tell you some things that are right, but he can't tell you truth. And see, truth liberates you and facts don't. Amen. Mm. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Watch verse 25 now. Here it comes again. If we live in the Spirit, and you do because you don't live anywhere else spiritually. Again, the moment you were born again, you were immersed not only into the death of Jesus, Romans 6 and 3, but you were immersed into the Spirit. Can we find that in the Bible? Let's go look for it. I believe it might be in Romans uh, if I can bring this up, Romans chapter eight, is it verse nine? Yes. Yeah, verse nine, Romans eight. But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you, does the spirit of God dwell in you? Yes. If you're born again, He does. And so that means you're in the spirit. Amen. That, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the gift of speaking in tongues and all that stuff, that's for today. That's not gone away. But the moment you're born again, you're in the Spirit. Amen. You're in Christ, you're in the Spirit because Christ dwells in you. Amen. Amen. That's just good. Amen. That's true. So verse 25 says, if we live in the Spirit, and the only way you can live in the Spirit is keep your faith in what puts you in the Spirit. If your faith is not in the cross, you're not living in the Spirit. If you're listening to preachers that tell you to do this, this, and this, if you want God to deliver you, that's not teaching you how to walk in the Spirit. That's teaching you how to trust in what you're doing and calling it God. And it ain't and it can't be. I used to be one of them preachers, money-hungry liars. I, I used to be one, and I'm not being ugly tonight, but I used to be one. I told you the story. A man and a woman come walking down the aisle. They're broken. Their lives are in ruin. This happened in the 90s where I was associate pastor in a church that didn't understand how the cross of Christ pertains to your moment-by-moment living, or you will not be living moment-by-moment. And he said, preach, oh, his wife and he, their teeth were half gone. They were, man, you could tell drugs had eaten their lives up, and they looked the part that Sunday morning. It It was a sad sight. And I mean, they were crying and weeping, and they said, preacher, if you 
you don't tell us how to get delivered from all this, we're going to lose everything. We've already lost almost everything now. And we're going to, we, we ain't going to make it. And I was crying because, you know, you want to, to see people delivered. And, I, man, I told them, I, with, I meant it. I mean, it's all I knew at the time. But can I remind you, God don't honor just anything, even if you're sincere and it's all you know. Quit listening to that gibber. That ain't true. It ain't true. If it ain't the cross of Christ, God can't enter in to do it. If you think he can, that's make-believe and pretending and there's no scriptures to confirm it. But I told the man and the woman standing there, I said, if you'll just start coming to church, if you'll give God the tithes and offerings, if you'll get in your Bible and start studying the Word. Now, we should all be doing those things. Those are good things and we're commanded to do them all. But they can't none of them save me. They can't none of them deliver me. Only the blood of Jesus delivers. Not me going to church. Not Well, if I start going to church, my life will get better. You're trusting in you. You're trusting in you going to church. And it's, that's, that's a deceitful, deceptive working of our flesh that will do anything but take the cross up. So if we live in the Spirit, it's the only place you can, let us also walk in the Spirit. See there? You begin to live in the Spirit the moment you were born again, but here we're having to be told, if this is where we live, let us walk there in the Spirit. We have to be told this. We have to be taught this. Because let me tell you something. When we're born again, we don't really know anything except God loved us, sent His Son to die for us, and now we're saved. We're no longer going to hell. We're on our way to heaven. And that's about all we know. But we got Bible. And we've been told to become students of the Bible. You can't just listen to a man or some woman, even if it's your loving grandmother who has what she calls your best interest at heart. If she's not using God's Word to point you to Calvary, she's not helping you. She's hurting you. And just like I told that man and that woman, if you'll do this, this, and this, God will deliver you. I help to bury them deeper in their bondage. I want you to know that. If you don't know, you don't know, but God doesn't honor your not knowing. He's told us to be students of the Word. Amen. We, we know a hundred songs, but we don't know ten verses. And the ten verses we might claim we know are like, well, Jesus drank. All kind of verses. You know, you ain't supposed to condemn me. You ain't condemning me, are you, brother? The Bible says you ain't condemn me. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what the word judge means, condemn there when he said it. You're not, you're not judging me, are you? How many times you had somebody tell you that? You're not judging me, are you? And they don't know the Bible says that we're to judge everything. And when they tell you that, they're judging you. You can't escape judging. You've got to judge everything. Amen. You, you, you judge whether you're going to speed and get a ticket or stay there under the limit. We, that's all we do is judge. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. you got to walk in the Spirit the same way you began to live in the Spirit in Galatians 3. Let's flip back over there for a minute. Two chapters back, Galatians 3. Verse 2. No, let's read verse 1 again. Oh, foolish Galatians. Now, these, this is the church now. Y'all do understand that. This is saved, born again. Matter of fact, spirit-filled Christians. Amen. Full of the Amen. Holy Spirit. But they're having to have a letter written to them because they done drifted away from Calvary. Now, now they believed it. They believed in it. But they were no longer trusting in it. Men were coming and telling, telling them, y'all know if you ain't circumcised, you ain't really saved. And so they started heading that direction to believe that. And, it, and Paul tells them in one place, if you believe that, Christ can't profit you or affect you. That's in Galatians 5, Amen. 1 through 4. Amen. 
We didn't read that, but it's over there. If you're trusting in anything other than the sacrifice of Christ, Christ cannot profit you or affect your life. It says that in our Bibles. You don't hear preachers preaching that. You don't hear preachers teaching that because it's not the money-making message. It's not the popularity message. That's why we got a room full of empty places to sit in here tonight. Because if it were a prophet come from out of town to give personal words to everybody that ain't nothing but a bag full of hot air and flesh, you couldn't have got them all in here. But you get somebody pointing to Calvary and you're going to have a hard time getting anybody that's even saved to come to the meetings. Amen. That's how far off track the church is. Amen. I don't want to hear about the cross. Amen. Tell me how I can get rich. <laughs> tell me, tell me, tell me the husband or the wife Jesus has for me. Amen. We better we, we got to get back to Calvary. Amen. Or we'll never walk in the Spirit. Our prayers will be in vain. I, everything we think we're doing for God will be in vain. As Amen. I said last night, God only reached for us through one door, and anything we offer Him has to go back through that one door. And that door, Jesus said, is Him. In John chapter 10, twice He calls Himself the door, and both times He's referring to what He would do in His death. The death of Jesus is what allowed Him as the door to be opened up and God to be able, first of all, to reach through and offer you the truth that would liberate you. And if you offer God any offerings, any prayers, any worship, it must go through that same door or he will not accept it. You hear people saying all the time, well, at least we believe something. God not honoring just anything. He's honoring his son and what his son did at Calvary and everything else. He's not giving any attention to it all. It does doesn't mean anything to him if it's not his son and what his son did at Calvary. Galatians 3 and 1, O foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? That you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth crucified among you. Now these Galatians were not there when Jesus was crucified. But Paul had preached to them this message, the gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified. And when he did, he's reminding them that when they believed it, it was as if Christ had been crucified there. They, it was as if they saw it. Amen. And they did by faith. And he listen, I hope you see this. He relates that to obeying the truth. Amen. And men will come along and bewitch us. And, and how do they do that? By getting us to look to some other object of faith. That's why there's a new fad that comes into the church every year. The purpose-driven, the government of 12, the promise keepers. Oh, this is the move of God this year. This is the move of God. No, the move of God took place before the foundation of the world when the lamb was slain and then manifest on a hill called Calvary. That's the move of God. And there's not another move of God. That's the move of God. That's the move of God that moved you right into his kingdom and that's the move of God that will move you along this journey walking in the spirit or you won't be in the kingdom and you won't be able to walk in the spirit and that's just the reality of God's word. Don't be so mean preacher. It's not the preacher it's God's word. Amen. It's God's word. If it's not the cross that our faith is in we're just imagining vain things. He says this in verse 2. This only would I learn of you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, meaning what you did, or by the hearing of faith? How did, how did we receive the Spirit of God? By hearing the gospel and believing it, Jesus died for Well, he relates that here to the hearing of faith. Amen. Let's read on. Are you so foolish... And he's having to write this letter because there are other men lying to them, distracting them, distracting, pulling their attention away from what put them in the Spirit, Amen. which was their faith in the death of Jesus. What allows them, by the way, to be found before God obeying the truth. If my faith is not in the cross... I don't care what's in the Bible that I claim I'm obeying. I'm not. 
I have to deliberately and consciously from my heart be believing that Jesus died for me and I died with him and I am now a new creation in him. I died with him. I'm not who I used to be because he died for me. That's where my faith must be. Can I share you with you a great truth tonight concerning this? And we ministered a little bit on it last night. And the Bible says that God always delivers us unto death, us who are alive. Are you a Christian? Are you born again? Are you on your way to heaven? That means you're alive in Christ Jesus. And the Bible said, let's turn over there for a minute. I'm going to quit about 7.15 tonight. I always have to set a time because I'll be here when the sun comes up if you are. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11. Amen. Now, I want you to see this tonight because it's in your Bibles, and it wasn't just for Paul. It was written to the church in Corinth. So that proves it's not just for Paul, and it's not just for Corinth. It's for you and me. I hope you see this tonight. If you don't get it, well, you need to go home and read it and read it and read it and ask the Lord to give it to you in your heart because until you get this, you're going to struggle and only have the result of self what is it? Self-destruction. Yes. We will kill ourselves. I don't necessarily mean physically, but that too. We will destroy our own selves if we don't learn to deny self by taking up the cross and following Jesus. Watch in verse 11, 2 Corinthians 4. For we which live, that's Christians, are always, somebody say always, always, always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Verse 12, so then death works in us, but life in you. What is God working in us? He's not working peace and joy and, and love and hope in you. He's working death in you, and out of the death of Jesus that your faith is in comes the love and the joy and the peace. He's, he's not working all that in you. He's working death in us so that we can be life by expressing Christ to other people. That's what your Bible says. I, I got to ask you, are you a Bible believer? If you are, then say amen. Hallelujah. If you're a Bible believer, you're going to take this home with you. You're going to understand. You're going to begin to learn that God ain't delivering you to the throne. He's not delivering you to the resurrection. You're not being conformed into the image of God's Son by being conformed into His resurrection. The Bible says in Philippians 3 and 10 that we're being made conformable unto His death. Yes. To his death. Because, and people read that and they say, well, why am I being made conformable unto the death of Jesus? Let me just remind you why. Because when God saw his son dying on the cross, he saw a perfect humility and a perfect obedience. And, and, and a man, finally, that even unto death was relying on the righteous judgment of God. Now, that's what Peter wrote in the Bible. About a year and a half ago or two years ago, I began to pray, Lord, show me how you see the cross. Show me how you view what happened, what you did in your son there on a hill called Calvary. Show that to me how you saw that. And he led me to Peter where Peter wrote that when he was reviled, he reviled not back. When he was threatened, he didn't threaten back. But you know, we've been told all our life that Jesus didn't respond, but he did respond. He responded to his heavenly Father by remaining humble and obedient and by totally depending upon, Peter wrote it, God's righteous judgment. And that's what God saw and that's what what God stamped his glory on right there and said, everybody that ever believes upon me, that is what I'm going to make them conformable to. My son, 
and His perfect humility and obedience. Now, we don't know anything about when it comes to us perfection, but we do have a perfect Savior that provided a perfect sacrifice and has provided a path that will give us the blessings. But you got to understand, He's always only delivering you unto death. You cannot express Christ unless your faith is in his death. Now, I'm not talking about, of course, I believe in the cross. I'm talking about that is what you tell yourself and you you are depending on what Jesus did there for me. I now have victory because he got victory for me at Calvary. And now I can love my wife as he loved the church and gave himself for it. Now I can have the right words seasoned with salt and grace. I can can be an example to other men and all that know me. I'm not perfect, but they can watch me grow. I'm not perfect, but they can watch me change. Amen. A Christian that knows what it means to walk in the Spirit knows that their faith has to be in the sacrifice of Christ. And again, I'm not talking about yesterday's faith ain't going to do you no good today. The Bible says now faith is. Not was or will be. Now faith is a substance of what you're hoping for, the very evidence of what's not seen. And we got to understand this verse right here. You got to understand this verse right here. God is always delivering you unto death. And tonight, let's just let us say it uh, again to add another reason to why is because it's the only place you can be found walking in the Spirit. You can't walk in the Spirit unless you're accepting where He's always delivering you unto, which is the death of Jesus. That The Bible says the preaching of the cross is the power of God. Do I want the power? Then i got to keep my faith in. That means my heart yielded to. That means when they say that about me, i got to look to the Lamb, hallelujah, instead of looking at what I'd like to do to them. I know what I could do to them, but I'd rather look back and see what Jesus did to me, hallelujah, what he did for me. I know I'd like to slap them upside the head and poke their eyes out, but I'd rather look and see what Jesus did for me. The flesh that's lusting after getting them back, I want to get them back. I I want revenge. I I know I need to learn to look to Jesus so I can have the power that I need. If I don't learn to do that, my whole life will be nothing but self I might blame everybody else, but self, I am my biggest problem. The devil ain't my biggest problem. The world ain't my biggest problem. I am my biggest problem. And Jesus gave me the answer. He said, if you'll deny self, because you can't shut him up. You can't run him off. But you can deny self if you'll take up your cross. And follow me. But he said in Luke 14, 26 and 27, if you don't bear your cross, you can't be my disciple. Disciple means learner. If you're not, if your faith, listen, people whose faith is in anything other than the sacrifice of Christ, they can't learn. That's why Paul told Timothy in the last days they're going to ever be learning but not able to get to the saving knowledge of the truth because they learning, but it ain't learning the truth. The truth, Jesus said, he is. I'm the truth, said my Jesus. He's the only way to the Father. That don't mean just to get to heaven. That means in prayer, in worship, in the way you live, you've got to get to the Father because He's seated on the throne from where grace comes that I need. And the only way I can get to the throne is through the blood. Not just because I'm saved. Not just because I'm saved. I can't go to the throne just because I'm saved. If I'm trusting in the words of my mouth, if I'm trusting in that or that that I did, or if I'm trusting in anything other than the one object of faith God has given me to trust in, meaning as somebody might did at Calvary, I'm really just trusting in me. Because it's what He did or what I'm doing. It's ain't, it ain't but two options. It's what He did 
or what I think I have to do. One of them, trusting in he, Him and His work, allows me to walk in the Spirit. The others allow the lust of my flesh to be fulfilled in my life and I never find deliverance. I, I never change. I tell people I'm changing, but they ain't seeing it. Let me. When you start changing, people are going to see it. They, when they saw what happened to me in 1994, my mama called me on the phone and said, what happened to you? I heard that, that you just changed. And I said, yes, ma'am. I said, the Lord got a hold of me, turned my life around. She said, well, that's what I heard, but I want to hear it step by step. I want you to tell me how it happened. And there I was. I told her. I told the story. There I was in the middle of the day. Working on my job. All that beautiful long blonde hair. Three earrings hanging out. Tattoos. Even had a rabbit fur coat back in the 80s. Boy, I thought I was something. I was standing there working in the middle of the day on my job. And there was a man, about 12 of us there working all spread out. And there was a man back there about 15 feet away. And he was just saying, there was a preacher in our church Sunday. He came through and he asked the people, you believe Jesus died for you on the cross? And the people said, Amen. He said, the preacher then asked him, Do you believe he's coming back for you? And the people said, Amen. Then he said, the preacher asked him, Well, if you believe all that, why are you living like you living? And man, let me tell you something. Inside of me, something happened right there. Man, I tell you, I, there was about 80 people in that building and probably 30 did drugs and they bought, all of them that did drugs bought them from me. They bought them from me. And listen, I wasn't lost. I was just living like I was lost. I got saved when I was 11 years old. Nobody pushed me. Nobody coerced me. I mean, my grandmama got shot and killed by a neighbor. And then a few years later, my granddaddy died and death seemed to be all around me. And I just went and I'd been raised in church and I went and found my mama. And she was in her bathroom, leaned over the mirror, putting all that mess on. And, and I said, I said, mama. 11 years old, I said, Mama, what I got to do to be saved? I knew about being saved. I heard about it. I heard preachers. I knew there was a heaven and a hell. I knew that. And I said, Mama, what I got to do to be saved? She said, Curtis, all you have to do is believe that God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to be able to forgive you of your sins. I said, I believe it. I believe it. I really believe it. I mean, it was real. I really, nobody was trying to push me around. I just believed it as an 11-year-old boy. But, but I never did get in the Word. I never did learn the Word for me. I, I drifted away from God. I got out in the world and I did all sorts of things and it's just so evil. So it makes me boast in the blood that much more. Hallelujah. And, and, and then when I heard that man saying those words, even in my backslidden, I'll call it condition, within my heart, I said, I do believe that. It was real to me. It was like, I do believe that. Now, I didn't put on a show. I was standing there, but that was in me. And I was like, well, I do believe that. And that was 1994. It'd be 30 years this June, from this coming June. And I went home, told my wife, and I said, I'm through with all that. And she knows what I mean when I say all that. Nobody else does. But I was through. I'll never forget my close, one of my closest friends came over two or three days later. Said, he said, he just come in the house. He said, come on, man, they're having a keg party down there. And the next town over, and I said, I can't go with you. I mean, before this, before God showed up, and why I told you that story is because it wasn't a deep theological study of God's Word. It was the gospel in its simplest form. And before that, he all he had to do was stand at the door and say, come on, let's go. I'd have grabbed my keys and told my wife, I'll see you later and be back. That might have been that night, the next day. Who knows when? But when God got a hold of me by me saying, I believe that. And meaning that I believe that. Not just me saying, of course I, of course I believe that. Now there's a difference. And when I said in my heart to God, I do believe that. Man, he came over and he said, let's go. And I said, I can't go with you, man. He thought I was pulling his leg. He thought I was joking. I said, I ain't going, man. I can't go with you. And put that cigarette out, by the way. <laughs> and 
<laughs> he was like, he's like, well, come on, man, you you taking this? To, come on, I said, I'm not going with. You. And there was an old hardback Bible laying there, and I put my hand on it, and I said, man, I'm not going with you, and I don't have all the answers, but I know they're in this book. Amen. I know they're in this book, and if he came with me that day. And if he'd have went with my Jesus, he wouldn't have went to the pen about two times and be in the trouble he's in today. Because Jesus will deliver you from mess and keep you from a boatload of mess that you would get yourself in without him. Amen. But you got to accept that he's always delivering you unto death. Amen. He's not delivering you unto a church. He'll tell you where to go to church, but when he does, you're going to know how to know if it's him. He's going to send you to a church where they boast in, in nothing but the cross. Amen. And they determine to know nothing Amen. but the cross. Amen. The Bible says that God doesn't even allow us to boast in anything but the cross of Christ. Amen. Galatians 6.14 God forbid that we boast in anything other than the cross where we were crucified from the world and the world crucified to us. There's no other place to escape what you were and who you were. Amen. And I'm living proof, and many millions are, that you can be a Christian and be living a miserable, defeated life because you don't know the focus of God, which is His Son and what His Son did at Calvary. If you don't know that, you'll never learn what it means to walk in the Spirit. You'll never hear that God only delivers you unto death because He's only transforming and making you conformable to that death. It's the only place your faith will work. It's the only place you can be delivered and be found by God walking in the Spirit. It's the only place that you can find unity with other like-minded believers. It's the only place that makes the church truly what it should be. Do you know I'm going to close now, but do you know when we get saved, we all get saved in one place. And I'm not talking about a town or a building. I'm talking about at Calvary. If you got saved and you're on your way to heaven, you got saved because you heard the gospel, not a gospel, the gospel, meaning the good news of what God did in Christ at Calvary. You believed it with the heart and you were immersed by the Spirit of God into the body of Christ, being immersed into His death, Romans 6, 3. And when that happens, we're all in the same place. Where we divide is what we put our faith in after that. Amen. Well, we believe, well, nah, we believe, nah, we believe, nah, we believe, and we're so divided because we really don't know what I ministered tonight. And those that hear it and refuse it are in worse shape than those that don't know it. Because to whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. That's what God says. Amen? So a true minister wants you walking in the Spirit. Because if you're walking in the Spirit, you're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And if you're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, then things are going to surely be better for the church that you're in, right? So when Sister Bucket mouth starts mouthing, you'll be able to deal with it properly. You know? We gotta understand God don't have two focuses. He's got one and it's the cross of Christ. And when that becomes your focus, your whole life is gonna change. Christianity then is going to be what the Word of God says it should be. Amen. 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 Would you stand with me tonight? We'll stop right here. <laughs>